it's time for Rain and Shine, your weekly regional science update, where we explore how the planet works and how we work with the planet. Howdy folks, as we transition into winter after a strong monsoonal summer, think moisture from the Pacific and Atlantic hurricane seasons, I wanted to pause and take a look at drought conditions and at the coming winter. Semi good news first. 82% of Colorado is still in some form of drought, but a good portion of that is the D0 classification, the least bad or light yellow classification. So while the drought is far from over, those rains did help late vegetation growth and work to improve soil moisture and surface water flow in the central and southern Rockies. Good news for the birds and pollinators who benefit from late season flowering and for the deer and elk who forage. Bad news for the 64 Colorado counties that remain in the USDA disaster designation and for the bears who are still working with a terribly dry spring and low fruit and berry production. Across the Intermountain West, the above average monsoonal rainfall alleviated severe drought conditions in many of our states, with Arizona finally showing 0% of the state in severe category. New Mexico, Colorado, and Wyoming all moved to under 10% of area in the most severe category, but 56% of Utah remains in these most severe classifications. Similarly, over in California and the Pacific Northwest, conditions are terribly, unprecedentedly dry. You can go and look up the U.S. Drought Monitor maps yourself. They are updated every Thursday and show the location and intensity of drought across the country. If you do, take a look at California and you will see that the persistent severe drought across the southern Central Valley is making a very good case for revegetation. Okay, here's the bad news. Despite what the Farmer's Almanac, a longtime source of good tomato sauce recipes and totally inaccurate weather predictions is saying, this winter is not likely to be a cold and snowy one. We are, as you may already know, entering into a third year of La Nina. A La Nina triple dip or La Nina Tisiera Ves is a very unusual occurrence. It happens only every 20 to 22 years, when the strong blocking high pressure system in the North Pacific Ocean remains in place. This pressure system tends to push the northern jet stream downward, bringing colder and wetter conditions to the northern and western and north central US. We here in the southern portion of the country are likely to be sitting high, dry, and warm. This is in part because La Nina also produces a weaker subtropical jet stream, which then generates less moisture and does not come as far north. If you may recall, Colorado sits right in the middle of the northern and southern jet streams. This yields highly unpredictable and very interesting mixes of weather for our state, though trends of southern dryness and northern moisture do hold fairly consistently for La Nina years. To get a good picture of this, you can look at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Snowfall Pattern Map for La Nina. Just Google NOAA Snowfall La Nina, and you will see that Colorado is indeed in the middle of higher and lower than average snowfall. New Mexico, solidly in the drier category, and Wyoming, solidly in the higher than average. What's interesting about this map is just how clearly you can see the southern and eastern quadrants of the state in drier conditions, while the northwestern third of the state sits solidly in above average snowfall conditions. If you do take the time to familiarize yourself with these kinds of resources, NOAA and the US Drought Monitor maps and the National Weather Service, what you may notice is that they steer away from predicting actual weather far into the future and stick to showing the strengths of modeled probabilities for averages. 
above average snowfall, below average temperatures, above or below average precipitation. Weather prediction is a very complex business and even NOAA, a globally respected weather institution, only gives itself a 50% accuracy rating for predictions farther out than 10 days. Those, my friends, are flip a coin odds. But trends and patterns tell a clearer and stronger story and they steer clear of monthly predictions, allowing us to look at averages and changes in those averages over time. Anyone or any publication that tells you they can predict the actual daily weather beyond 10 days out, well, keep in mind that they may be full of tomato sauce or something much more smelly. You've been listening to Rain and Shine, a production of the Learning Council, produced by Corey Stanton and written and narrated by me, Calla Rose Ostrander. To submit your nature and science questions, email us at rainshineweekly at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page. And thanks for listening.